1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. My name is Alan. Across the table for me is Chris. Hello, hello. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing well. Looking forward to talking about movies. We got three pretty good We got so. three to talk about, absolutely, and I hope we're going to have enough show to fit it all in, because <laughs> I do think all three of them are probably going to warrant some conversations. Uh, we're going to be discussing the
2: films Ex Machina. Did I say that right? It's not Ex Machina. Uh, Depends where you're watching it. In Hickory, you might not get a ticket because they knew it as Ex Machina.
1: Did you have somebody stare at you blankly when you said Ex Machina? I did. I'm sorry. The only movie we're showing is Ex Machina.
2: I kind of had to clarify.
1: It's true. Ex Machina. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Tommy Lee Jones film, The Homesman, and the uh, fake documentary film about vampires, (laughs) What We Do in the Shadows. All three of those being discussed by Chris and myself over the next little bit. Then we're going to move on and do a few movie news items where we pick a couple things of interest to us and see if the other person is at all interested or has any thoughts on the topic we bring up. And then we're going to cap up the show with our recommendations like we do every single show, a film or, in my case, maybe more of a film experience that we think you ought to check out, uh, hopefully online. Mine will not be online. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you right now. But it's still something I'm going to recommend. So with that, Chris – I think we need to jump right into it, because we got a lot to talk about. Let's do it. All right, let's jump right into our first one. The film is the latest sci-fi film, director, first-time director, Alex Garland. The film is Ex Machina.
3: So how does a programmer get to be meeting the
1: CEO? I won a competition. The president can't get Mr. Garrick on the phone.
2: And you got the golden ticket. It's good to meet you, Nathan. It's good to meet you, too, Caleb. Can we just get past the whole employer-employee thing? I want to talk to you about the greatest scientific event in the history of man. Are you
0: building an AI? Hello. Hi. I've never met anyone new before. Have you? None like you.
2: She's incredible. (laughs) The challenge is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness.
1: Chris, the film Ex Machina is directed by first-time director Alex Garland. However, Alex Garland is a name that many people know in the film business because he has been a prolific writer for a number of years. Right. I'm personally excited for Alex Garland because he he wrote two films that I really, really enjoyed from many years ago. Uh, Sunshine, the Danny Boyle science fiction film, although it fell apart kind of late in the film. I don't know if that was a writing or directing issue. And then the film, one of my favorites from the year it came out, Never Let Me Go, which okay. that's the one I want to key in a little bit more because Never mm. Let Me Go actually had, to me, a little bit more in common with this movie. And I think we'll talk about that as we get into the discussion. Interesting. But Chris, Ex Machina is all about the Turing test. If they, if the Turing test is a test of knowing, is artificial intelligence so good that it
2: actually could fool somebody into thinking it's human? That's called the Turing test. Which Sorry. is actually, no, uh, just a little geek side note. Uh, listeners of the show may remember we talked about the imitation game, mm-hmm. which is Turing, who this, that's who came that's up with this whole true. concept. Yep. So, a little geek side note there. Absolutely. That if, you, if you're. Nice little connection between yeah, shows there, so, too. Go, okay, go
1: ahead. So, with this, the, the story follows two primary characters, and it's a very small cast in this film because it's really just two, well, three main characters two human, one not human. And then a couple other people that float in and out of the the story tangentially. Uh, Donald Gleeson plays Caleb. And then we've got Oscar Isaac playing Nathan. Nathan is a uh, high-tech genius, a little bit of a recluse, working on a new project. And he invites Caleb through a lottery system to come spend a week with him. And the purpose is to perform the Turing test on his latest creation. Chris, the Turing test, as we mentioned, this whole passing, uh, can somebody pass for human, artificial intelligence? So let me ask you, did this movie pass the frying test? Yeah. Which is, in other words, Chris, was this a good sci-fi movie? Because I know you are a sci-fi aficionado. Did this movie work for you? Did it pass the frying test?
2: It it definitely did. Um, More so than I could have ever hoped for. Wow. Um, And I will say that, that being said, people who've listened to the show know that I am kind of a big science fiction nerd. That I like a lot of stuff that other people probably wouldn't put up with. Um, Prometheus, <laughs> on record as being the biggest fan of that movie in history. Alan, yeah, yeah that's you know. all right. Um, if you don't like science fiction, don't steer away from this movie. I mean, it, it has you're saying, enough.
1: He's saying even if you're not a science fiction fan, right. Don't, check don't, this don't one be out. afraid. Don't okay. be
2: afraid. I mean, if you're a science fiction fan and you really like the way. If, if you're, I think you'd be happy either way. If you like science fiction, if you don't, there's enough there to chew on that's not science fiction that I think people that, you know, could get behind it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it definitely, definitely passed the, uh, the frying test.
1: <laughs> so I want to kind of pinpoint the actors because, I mean, it's really a sure. three-person story. Absolutely. For the most part. And it's also more or less a one-location story mm-hmm. inside uh, Nathan's house. Or a bunker, <laughs> yeah. or a laboratory. Which I'll just go ahead and say on record. I told my wife after watching this movie, I love that house. I want that house.
2: It, I want that house, but I would want there to be. Of course, there were windows outside. Oh, there, on were the upper, there were. a upper upper lot of level. windows,
1: just not in strategic rooms where he didn't want there to be. Windows. Right. True. True. Um, yeah, it's a nice house. <laughs> but let me let's talk about some of the actors. I, I'll go ahead and say I did like the film too. Okay. I had a few little issues with it. I'm not over well, the Whatever that.
2: they are, they, you shouldn't have them because okay, the well, movie's
1: perfect. Okay. Oh, well, I'll just walk <laughs> away then and we'll just move on to our next film. Sure. Um, I did have some issues with the storyline mainly because really? I felt it was very predictable. Oh. No, I did. I felt it was very predictable. Interesting. I kind of thought by about a, a third of the way through, I knew where it was going to go.
2: We may have to do a little bit of spoilers then.
1: Yeah. Which we'll um, do somehow. So that was a little disappointing to me because I don't like... A story following the path I expect it to go. Okay. Um, However, that being said, the acting, the the look and the tone of the film, uh, the use of the AI and kind of how that wove in and even the visual appearance of the AI, all great. Loved every element of that film. Okay. I thought Oscar Isaac as Nathan was absolutely awesome. He was just a character I just wanted to see more of. Especially when things started to shift throughout, which, again, we won't spoil yet. Sure. Domino Gleeson was fine. I thought he did a good part. Um, I do have a little question about a scene late in the film, and maybe we can talk about that in some spoiling part. Okay. But overall, I, I really did like this movie. I just wish it wasn't quite as predictable as it was for me. Because, again, about... A third half of the way through the film, I kind of knew, okay, yeah, this is probably going to happen. I'm sure this is now where this is going. Oh, look, it did go there. It was a little surprising so
2: um i I was also a big fan of the look and the production design, um specifically like the the use of um c g i and how they would do. The robot character who, um, let's give her name, Alicia Vikander is the name of the actress who plays Ava, Mm -hmm. the robot. This movie was able to be impressive without being, like, flashy. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, basically when you see her character, Ava, you can see through parts of her as if she's, like, clear plastic or whatever. And it looks impressive, but they don't do a lot of, like, crazy things, for instance, in Nathan's laboratory to be like, this is the future. Mm -hmm. Look at all this really cool stuff happening. It's like they basically lay it out there. It seems very realistic, almost like it could have been a play, mm-hmm. but yet they couldn't have carried off the uh Ava character <laughs> on stage because right. there's no way that But you know, it's just it so it impressed me that they it's like they have all these tools in their arsenal that they could really like blow your mind, but that's not what they were interested mm-hmm. in. They were interested in blowing your mind in other ways about topics that and that that's something that there again we'll kinda get into it a little more, uh, in kind of a spoiler territory, I guess. But even though i can see your concern or kind of negative about how it was predictable mm-hmm. but for me i felt like i probably knew where it was going but the why's of why it was going that way made it okay, okay. because yeah i mean there's there's kind of a dynamic set up of the creator the guy who comes in from the outside and the robot mm-hmm. and there's kind of a dynamic setup that you kind of feel like you know how the story is going to play out but why it plays out the way it plays out and could it have played out differently had there been different choices made? like sure but it you know and so I it's just it was more of a comment about human nature and some big mm-hmm. themes rather than just like you say I like science fiction movies that other people just find frivolous or stupid they don't have to have big themes behind them but this one did and that's what made it all the more impressive to me, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense at all. No, yeah,
1: Sure. Well, I think mentioning also Ava, I thought Alicia Vikander, very, very good in this as well. I agree with you on the CGI of the of her. Uh, it was actually to the point where my wife, after just the first couple minutes of seeing her in motion and walking, around, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I'm like, it is. And, and they, it don't, they don't cool.
2: do it to try to impress you. It's just no. like, she's just walking so, around. Okay, yes. yeah,
1: she is a partially made android at that point right. looking appearance wise right there are some other scenes later in the film that explore some of the visual appearance of ai and i think some were impressive some a little creepy disturbing i mean oh, some yeah um interesting interesting scenes with that sure um you know in the end of the day it was a fairly simple plot and story there are a lot of deep things to discuss with it the choices made the implication of AI and just human nature in general and the trusting ability of, of people. But uh, I did like the fact that other than the CGI usage for her, which was not, like you said, not flashy or over the top or in your face, it was just very natural. Other than that, it could have been a stage play, which yeah. I thought would have been really interesting too, to think about that. Cause it really is just how these three people are dynamically in inter- inter- intertwining. I liked it. I did. I wish it wasn't predictable. I wish okay. I'd been a little more intrigued by the directions it took. But besides that, I liked everything else about it, so um, that was worthwhile. I thought, you know, Alex Garland, first time director. I mean, the directing was great. I mean, it looked really good. I liked the way the film ended as well. I will say that, both from a writing and directing standpoint, it just had a nice, it just had a nice ending to it. Yeah, it was not.
2: So even though you knew where it was going, that was a little bit of a letdown. But the way it ended, you like how it it ended on that note.
1: It was nice because it didn't feel the need to make everything nice and rosy and tidy. And it kind of gave a little bit of a, it's an ending that as you're watching the last part of the film, you know, that's where it naturally is needing to go now. Gotcha. But the fact that the situation that left the other characters in, I thought was nice. It was <laughs> a good, good
2: choices. I guess okay. I will say. Did you also appreciate, I, one of the other things i positive. I liked about the film uh, was the sound design mm. and the use of not only just necessarily music but then also just just sound design like noises and repetition of noises especially when they're down in the lab and stuff i really liked how that kind of well the whole thing is very
1: atmospheric yes i think i felt like i was inside that mountain remote house both visually audibly and everything else i mean it just it worked i loved the house and the layout probably just as much as i'd like the film so i really this would not have worked in a penthouse situation in new york city or something it needed to be this out in the wilderness they're away from everybody else i mean miles and miles away from everybody else And a house that's sprawling and it has some rooms of beauty and some rooms of kind of just despair and it's just it was a perfect blend of natural plus technology which i think is also commenting a little bit on the characters we're meeting it's just sure it was very well done i thought i thought the Production design was really outstanding for the film. enjoyed that quite a bit okay so i'm i 'm recommending it. I just again, I wish I was a little more surprised by the directions it took. but uh, at the end of the day, on its own as a standalone film without any expectations, yes it's a very very good film
2: okay I, it sounds like you like it. I like it and have absolutely no reservations. You have so no I concerns.
1: I have one, but not enough to not recommend seeing it.
2: So what I'd like to do now okay. is the next movie we're going to review is going to be The Homesman. Yes. Okay. So, but what we're going to do right now is we're going to do some spoilers. So if you don't want to hear it, just kind of fast forward until you hear us talking about The Homesman and then maybe Clear rewind enough. a little bit. Won't be very long. Shouldn't be more fast than that. Like, fast forward from.
1: until you hear the part of the trailer for there The Homesman. Go. Then that's your that's symbol that we're going to talk about The Homesman. Just, just that, trying to help you out. Is that good? <laughs> so <laughs> spoilers on in three Two, one. Okay. Okay. So, go for
2: it. So, the predictability, I because I'd heard there were twists in this movie, mm. which I wasn't trying to use that word at all in the, the talk we just had, I kind of expected something like the Domino Gleason character, Caleb, I actually expected him to end up being AI as well. Well, they
1: wanted you to believe that was a possibility. And, and for that, a while.
2: that Nathan brought him there, Caleb not knowing he was AI, and then put him up against Ava, who was AI. Then because I was thinking there were twists, I thought maybe Caleb was AI. And he was actually somehow like he had killed the original Caleb. He had taken mean, over.
1: No, you mean Nathan.
2: I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, Nathan, you thought Nathan was I thought AI. Nathan AI. was AI. He had killed yeah. the original Nathan. And he had... Um, Ava there and he wanted to bring Caleb in and see Ava but meanwhile Caleb was basically seeing how he could manipulate humans by observing Caleb well Chris if, if it
1: had gone any of those directions it would have been really cool I mean I would then I would have no reservations of the film really the fact of the matter is about a third of the way through the film I'm like okay Nathan is there's something else going on he didn't just bring out Caleb out here to have him test this device. He's doing something deeper. I've got and that And you sense. wanted something. I okay. got that sense right away that there's more to Nathan than just, hey, I made an AI robot and I'm going to get this guy to come check it out. And I also thought there was more to Ava than what we were seeing as well.
2: Oh, I think there is.
1: Well, no, no. I know there was. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I, I felt that right but away. But you were
2: disappointed there wasn't more to Nathan. <laughs>
1: I was disappointed that Nathan was pretty much what I expected to be that he had probably he he was playing with Caleb. he knew what he was doing. It was very intentional He'd how so he's there. playing with Caleb? How is he playing with Caleb? I think he knew that Ava was going to try to seduce Caleb. I think he knew that Ava he wanted to see what was going to happen when. There's started to be some emotions. I think he kind of knew that Ava was going to try to plot some way to get out. But he doesn't know that work. she
2: could short circuit the, um, no, the, he didn't the, know that. I think okay. that was a
1: surprise. And I was honestly surprised because I thought Nathan was maybe orchestrating that right. kind of like Caleb even suspected at one point. Right. He's like, is Nathan doing that just to mess with us?
2: Right. Um, which is why he went ahead and did what he did.
1: Right. right. Okay. I think, um, I just, I think it was very obvious that I, Oscar Isaac's character is so, interesting and cool and then one point kind of scary and oh he's scary And it's like i knew right away there's something more to this guy this that they're not showing us and i automatically assumed that either all the people working in the house the servant girls were all robots i figured that out the very second i saw them and that made me think too okay well he's got these Girls that can't speak English walking around the house. Yes, that's obviously androids. He was just
2: one, right? The Japanese girl. I
1: think they alluded to another one at another point. Mm -hmm. I'm like, so obviously he's been doing this before, and this is probably not his first rodeo with the AI. At that point, I started realizing, okay, so he's got Caleb there, but it's probably not just to run a Turing test. He's probably doing some deeper analysis of really what's going on. and that's you know and the fact that he probably handpicked Caleb that probably wasn't a raffle type of situation that seemed really ridiculous right out of a whole company to have a raffle to well see he,
2: he admitted that it. he said that I picked yeah, but I did that through. to make it
1: but I was right. already picking that out like no, in the right, first right. third of okay. the film Gotcha. that's what I'm saying is that I, ultimately where it ended up was great it's just I felt like it was very predictable for most of the film the only thing that was a surprise for me was Ava was the one short circuiting uh, so that she would have that some was a, moments of that was a surprise. that was a
2: surprise yeah
1: Beyond that, there were no other surprises for me.
2: Well, I'll say... um, Oh, and it surprised
1: me that I kind of sensed that Nathan could either die or something bad was going to happen to him. The AI was going to kind of revolt at some point. I didn't expect her to leave Caleb locked up in the
2: house. That was a great See, 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 there you go. Okay, so in my mind, like I say, I love the film, don't have any reservations. But I thought Nathan was going to end up being AI. He wasn't. Then I thought Caleb was going to be AI, and he wasn't. I kind of went in expecting the whole time Ava's going to freak out and she's going to revolt. Yep, that happens. Mm -hmm. But the payoff with that, even though that was kind of predictable and you kind of know where that's headed... Is why that happens, yeah. and I felt like that happened because Nathan is thinks he's God, mm-hmm. and he makes no mistakes. And this, and so yeah, he's bringing Caleb in. He thinks Ava's going to try to revolt. He's like, oh, I got that covered. Not the least bit worried about it. And even if he senses something might go wrong, he's so proud of himself, and so it's like pride ultimately got him where he got him his end results yeah. of the movie, yeah. and that was so satisfying. To me, to see, like, even though I thought I knew where it was going, but it was like, why was it allowed to happen? Why did it happen? And I admit, I was shocked, actually, that Ava ends up treating Caleb the way she does. But what made that okay, and then you could say, well, that's not surprising. But what made that okay was, there again... Mr. Nathan, Mr. Pompous Man actually kind of lays that on the table for Caleb. And Caleb's like, uh, what are you talking about? How how do you know she's not just Mm -hmm. like, and there again, he's like, well, she could do that to you, but you know, nothing's going to touch me because I'm God and Mm -hmm. there you are. And so like that, that whole thing of like, Be careful what you're doing and all that. Like, that was so satisfying. Even though the road was kind of predictable, but the way in which it was done was just. I like the way it ended. It
1: was was a great ending to it.
2: Um, Kind of a chilling ending. Oh, it's very chilling. But see, I don't know. I, okay. I guess, are we going to go total spoilers or we're going to kind of leave well, We've it? already, we've already, okay.
1: we're through the looking glass well, now. Okay. okay so,
2: so, so my wife and I, when we walked out of the movie, you know, obviously she can tell because of my reaction at the end of it, she's like, you loved it. And I'm like, yep, you got it. And so we kind of talked about it and I said, well, what do you think happened? What do you think happened to um, Caleb? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, is he, is he going to die? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or is he going to be able to get out? And do you think Ava, what do you think Ava's intention was when she walked out that door? She just wanted to be free Mm -hmm. or she wanted to screw all the humans that had been there. And you see her, she mentions that the first thing she would do is, I mean, we're totally ruining it, is go to a street corner and watch all of humanity. Yep, She does that. She does that. And then she just kind of, she doesn't, I don't even think there's an expression on her face. She just kind of takes it in and then walks away. Well, and And what do you take? Like, so what are your thoughts on that? I don't think she was not
1: meant to be a vindictive Ultron type robot that (laughs) she just hates humanity. I think it's just, she knew what she wanted to do. It was to leave and go explore and be and observe human life. She had no other need for Caleb. Now Caleb's done that.
2: But do you think, she knew, granted, she's not the one who takes Nathan out. Uh, it's a combination between her and
1: the, the other servant robot. The other
2: the one world. definitely has a bot. But does she but, actually mm-hmm. inflict any violence on yes, Nathan?
1: Yes, she does. Oh, Ava does. She okay. pushes the knife through him the first time. And then I think the other girl does it on the backside or something. Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. No, Ava definitely okay. kills, okay. helps okay. to
1: kill uh, 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 Nathan. But I don't think it was because a, I want to beat down all humanity. She knows Nathan's been lying to her. Right. She knows Nathan's been deceitful to her. She doesn't trust Nathan. Caleb, I don't, I just do you, think it's do a matter you, of... Do
2: you think she, I get, you know, there again, it's a Turing test on, there again, no. why this movie is awesome. It's a Turing test on the audience. Mm-hmm. Do you think she has artificial intelligence? Do you think she has emotions? Do you think she has all this stuff? Does she care? No. Does she care what happens to Caleb? No. Or was she just playing him kind of like she Nathan said? She
1: was being programmed to have the kind of emotional reaction she needed to advance her 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 needs and if she knew that she needed somebody like a like a, a caleb to care for her so that he would help her get, get out, out right it was all a very methodical process but that's why once she realized hey wait a minute i'm free nathan's dead the doors are now unlocked i can unlock the doors. so you
2: just uh, you don't think she has any ill will towards caleb she no. just doesn't have any thought there's towards no him at there's all. no need for caleb
1: anymore gotcha so that's why she's not the pure ai yet because she doesn't have that sense of um, true emotions True emotions would be you feel sorry for Caleb because he did help her, and
2: now he's. Or you at behind. least recognize something's yeah. going. She doesn't the turn around. She doesn't, doesn't do anything. she just, just walks right out the
1: door. Right. That is a. I am to get from point A to point B. I use the tools around me to get there. Mm-hmm. Caleb has served his purpose. Thank you very much. I'm moving right on. No concern. <laughs> and uh, she knows that Caleb. I can just lock up. Nathan. I had to kill, but now I'm moving on. <laughs> you know, it was it was interesting. I did the last ten minutes. Were enough to make me feel good about the film, even though up until that point I felt it had been pretty predictable. But at the end, I'm like, okay, it did wrap up on a really, really good.
2: And I I guess even though I I felt like it maybe have kind of been predictable, yeah, because I thought like you know one of these things is going to happen, but because I don't know, I guess the way it happened because I kept expecting in a way there should have been something bigger. There should have been a bigger plot twist and maybe I would have been happier but it was kind of, I don't know, more or yeah. less played out.
1: I'll still say, this is not even a spoiler party anymore, Oscar Isaac was still amazing as Nathan. I really like Oscar Isaac. I think... Yeah, I like I him. I mean, I liked him in Finding uh, Inside Lewin Davis. I've liked him in other things but this movie just is charismatic and scary at the same time. The conversation they had uh, the, the, the last morning... In the kitchen.
2: Oh, yeah. About, you know,
1: obviously, Caleb's wanting to try to get uh, Nathan drunk and all. And Nathan's just like, no, I'm good. You know. I'm good. It's like you knew right away. He knows. He's He's totally game of what's going on. Right. It's just that was a really tense
2: conversation. And I I, I agree. I'm excited that Oscar Isaac's going to be in the new Star Wars. I am too. If
1: anybody's (laughs) got the swagger to pull off this generation's Han Solo, it's Oscar Isaac right now. Hands down. I think the guy's got charisma coming out of every pore right now. So (laughs) love it. Okay. Spoilering time is off. Yes. So if you have been uh, either closing your ears the whole time, or if you didn't really care and you're like, I'm not going to see this movie. (laughs) I don't care what these guys say. Or maybe you're one of those people that you do like to listen to spoilers before you go see a movie. Now, you know, there was death and murder and all that stuff in there. Anyway, that was ex machina, Machina, which we're both recommending. Chris strongly, strongly, no reservations recommending.
2: Probably. One of, definitely one of my, probably my favorite film so far in 2015.
1: Interesting. Very nice.
2: It's got to be up there. All right. Well, with that, let's
1: move on to our second film. And the film is the Tommy Lee Jones directed, Hilary Swank starring, and Tommy Lee Jones starring, Western film, The Homesman.
3: Oh. Are you an angel? You're not dead. Help me. If I cut you down, will you do what I tell you to? Hell yes, I will. Anything. I got a job at work for you. My name is Cuddy. Mary B. Cuddy.
2: Where's Mr. Cuddy?
3: I live uncommonly alone. What's a job? Three women in this country have lost their minds. Their husbands can't care for them properly. You and I are going to take them back across the river to Iowa. I need someone who can hunt and guide and help with the animals on the trip. It's your job, and you've sworn to do it. That's why I set you free. Three crazy women for five weeks is a lot more than I bargained for.
2: Ellen, when we... Watched. We brought this movie, actually The Homesman, we brought it for our film society. Mm -hmm. And I was unable to attend the screening and I actually texted you, I think after the screening had concluded. And I was like, hey, Alan, how'd the movie go? Was it anything more than a Hallmark uh, Channel movie of the week? Which
1: that was your (laughs) prediction. You thought this was going to be a very lonesome dovish type yes. of, type of thing I
2: guys. had I had watched the trailer mm-hmm. um, because we were bringing it for the film society and I knew I was going to end up missing it so I watched the trailer just say so like oh what are, what are we screening saw it and I was like okay deemed it a Hallmark channel movie of the week <laughs> and then you texted back saying and I this is a rough quote the Holmesman is no Hallmark movie it's not that bad. I think you'll like it. So I imagine that quote being like on the back of the criterion yeah, not collection that bad. box. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, actually, not that I bad. I think, think you like said it.
1: it was a weird movie too. It was like, it was kind of weird. And that's the best way I can describe
2: this film too. It was a weird movie. Um, what do you, okay. So you've kind of given the setup. Let me I'll give let me give it just yeah, a, little give bit a little more description. So yeah. you know, you did say it was a Western, Tommy Lee Jones, Hilary Swank, and basically she is they're in the, the plains, in the western plains, settlers, and Hilary Swank is by herself and she's kind of tried to make a life for herself there. And then she gets saddled with taking three ladies who are basically crazy and taking them back east to where they are more equipped to deal with people that have mental problems.
1: These are women that frontier life and their home situation has probably just taken its toll on them. And that supposedly was something back in the 1800s very common. It was just, you know, sometimes the men were very abusive. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the men were very neglectful. Sometimes uh, they were forced to be at home all day out in the wilderness frontier with nobody else around them. And it just would take your toll mentally, mental toll on them.
2: And so she's charged with taking these ladies back East and she ends up getting some help uh, from Tommy Lee Jones, who is the homesman. He plays
1: George Briggs. The homesman, we actually looked up at the definition of that as someone who's responsible for taking someone who immigrates to a part of the country back to their original home. Okay. So really, that's what it is, is the homesman is to take these women back to their original place of or location where they can get some more home, more care for their situation.
2: Yeah. So, you know, asking you about it, I, that's right. That was a part of the text who's kind of like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. What Tell me how it's weird. So, you know, we were expecting a Western. Tell me what was kind of weird and unexpected about it. Well,
1: I'll tell you. I mean, a lot of people came in expecting a more traditional Western, and it really wasn't. Not only was it not terribly scenic from a Western standpoint, it was a lot of barren land, a lot of very monotonous land, which I think is part of the intention. It's not supposed to be this beautiful landscape of canyons and, and everything else. It was... A lot more barren, a lot more deserted wilderness. Uh, interesting scenics, but not what you would expect in a normal Western film, a traditional Western. Um, Tommy Lee Jones plays the rascally character, and that's kind of expected. You, know, you meet him, he's the funny guy, he's the one that's rough around the edges. And for a while, there's a little very predictable back and forth between he and Mary B. Cuddy, who played by Haley Swank. Where I think this film was interesting is you have three women all at different stages of hysteria. Yes. And the fact that we kept alluding to them with some very oddly cut flashback scenes that were sometimes very hard to follow, Mm -hmm. to know sequencing when they were happening. The fact that they were so weirdly cut. We had a few moments where things were a little more scary with the women. I mean, a little more on the frightening side of the things they were saying or doing or acting. Almost a little bit of an exorcist vibe on one of them in particular. Interesting you... Uh, brought that up. Okay. All right. We'll get to that in a second, maybe. Okay. So that I thought was odd. odd. We have one of the main characters taking a very interesting choice about two thirds of the way through the film. Okay. That the first time I saw it, I did not think worked at all. Oh man. But the second time I saw it, I totally got it. It caught me by surprise the first time. Again, we may have to do a little spoilering on this one too. Okay. But one of the primary characters makes a choice that is a very dramatic choice that changes the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. And it was very unexpected. And at first glance, it didn't seem like a very logical progression of that person's character. But yet there again, the second time I watched it and realized where it was leading to, I'm like, yep, I got it. That made sense. It ended. The film ended in a interesting note where it kind of started to wind up to a, a little bit of an upbeat ending. You have a cameo by a very famous actress. And I thought by this point, the film's like, okay, it's trying to tidy itself up real nice. But then it takes a little bit of a coda with the, la- the main character who's left in the film where it just kind of lingers for a little bit. And then it kind of ends on a very odd note. It was just – it was a weird movie. Ultimately, I liked it. I didn't right. love it. I did like it. It was worth me actually wanting to watch it the second time
2: okay. the next night.
1: Cause we because, do screen movies
2: back yeah, to back moments. because
1: I wanted to see the character's progression and see if I could see the signs of it leading to where it went. Sure. So it's a hard film to review because it's really a lot more different than I ever expected. There's a lot of elements I really liked about it. And I thought it was just interesting
2: choices it made throughout the film as well. Chris, I could not have been more wrong about this movie. Okay. Um, so you really liked it? I liked it a lot. It's probably Good. right under X Machina. Wow! So we got um, a
1: number one and two film for you for the year on the same show. Awesome.
2: Pretty much. Okay. Um, it is not a Hallmark movie of the week. Yeah. And hey, if you like this, there's nothing wrong. I don't even know what I'm really talking about. I just I see think they're more of the
1: sentimental right. classical western film right. of uh, a man know, and, and woman helping
2: each other out across the right, world. and they fall in love and all that yeah. kind of claptrap. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I anticipated this to be. Um, not that at all. So the surprises to me were just like I kept getting surprised over and over again. The Mm -hmm. surprise that happens two thirds of the way. Yep. That just submitted like, wow, I thought I couldn't like this movie anymore. I was incorrect. I felt like the look and feel of the film was very authentic Western with a capital W. Authentic. But you're right. And I hadn't thought about that instead of focusing on beauty, I don't think it tries to make things look ugly. Hmm. It just makes them look very stark and very lonely and yes. very empty. That's exactly and I think that is. is, that is perfect for the story that they are telling.
1: Well, because you know that this kind of wilderness has affected the three women in the back of the wagon. Yeah. How it affects the other characters is what's more interesting yes. as you watch the film.
2: Yeah. And opening and closing shots of the film. Amazing. Um, and loved opening shots a plow scene yeah and I like the feel that it had and it was kind of yeah kind of empty but it says a lot closing shot of the film (laughs) is a scene on a raft also very jarring in some respects Mm -hmm. and not expected but it's like yes this is an ending you know it's just it's not expected and I really really liked it Um, the performances by Hilary Swank and Tommy Lee Jones I thought were awesome yep I could see if you are looking, but I mean in this day and age I guess they don't do a lot of traditional westerns, I mean like 310 to Yuma, like the remakes, mm-hmm. True Grit, stuff like that, I guess are traditional westerns, but this is definitely a non-traditional western as far as the westerns I've seen, this focuses on a female, the female a lot of female struggles. Mm-hmm. And like focuses on that and spends a lot of time on like how this affects women and you know males are ineffectual or creeps mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's that's a very interesting take on the West and what was going on. I will say with how things settle out, I could see a condemnation of the film, yes, being that um all the women needed help. yes, yeah. and I don't agree with that
1: mm-hmm.
2: but well, i can i can i can i can see that I can see that condemnation. I can counter it, but we'll have to save that. Well, first, we'll have to save that for spoilers. That's kind
1: of what I was alluding to. And I said the film started to take a little bit more of a let's tidy this up in a nice bow towards the end. And it started to make me a little nervous. I'm like, really, is that the way this movie's mm-hmm. going to end? Because it's been so interesting up to this point. And when the cameo shows up at the very end, I'm like, okay, if this is really where it's going to end, and all of a sudden there's a redemption story behind and it, now and now I know why sudden, there's
2: the cameo because that's going to, end. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm
1: like, okay. But then the fact that it kept going a little bit longer and we followed the one remaining character and it was some interesting choices there. Oh, man. And then on the raft, I love the raft oh, scene man. at the end. It's just how perfect was that? You know, the guys firing off shots and the gravestone gets kicked. I, I know, I don't I don't feel like I'm spoiling because you don't know what I'm talking about if you haven't seen the film. Right. But it's just those last few moments of the on the raft I thought were so, so well done.
2: I- negatives of the film i do have some reservations which is why it's second to ex machina sure. so far in 2015 but um the cameos to me were like fingernails on the chalkboard yeah um well you had
1: like three or four we
2: have meryl streep we have james spader we have Haley 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 steinfeld yeah. um, tim blake nelson those were all what i felt like were kind of could have been anybody parts, but yeah. they stuck really famous people. John Lithgow's in it at the beginning, but I don't feel his He's is okay. a cameo. His, he his, his good is more because he had actually
1: something to work with, and he seemed like the kind of actor that would take that kind
2: of part. And he was he was a preacher, and I felt like he was more established and had a lot more like dialogue. Yeah. I agree with Tim Blake Nelson. I thought when I saw him come up, I'm like, oh, okay, well. And don't get me wrong, I like these actors with, yeah, the, yeah. with the exception of James Spader. I don't, everybody loves him. I'm not really I, that. Big I like James me. Spader, and I really liked the scene. I thought that he the was scene in, that he was in and this was, was good. just odd
1: enough yeah, and just yeah. weird but yet yeah it's one of those things where when he comes down the steps it's like oh look it's a famous you know, actor look trotting who he is out, everybody done you know, kind of yeah and that that didn't work for me i don't like i don't like um showy cameos in a film
2: and I, I felt like i felt like these were you know and i can you know i like all of with the exception of james Spader, i don't hate him i just don't really see the big deal about him everybody else i see like why they're awesome and everything but it was so distracting because I don't know. They was just so distracted because they yeah. were just shoehorned. I felt like they were shoehorned I agree. in, probably I agree to get, probably you don't have the big enough budget to make them a main
1: actor. Like for instance, it seemed like it was more Tommy Lee Jones buddies that he just called in to like help out for a day for of shooting, a day or shooting where it.
2: you can't make Meryl Streep. I'll just say I'm not going to say what she's doing, but you can't make her one of the crazy ladies because yeah. that'd be too expensive. Right. But you can't have her come on and be this other cameo. One day role. of shooting,
1: have three three scenes, you're done.
2: So that, but there again, that is a minor nitpick. Mm-hmm. That is really nitpicking this film to death. But that I did find the cameos distracting. I, I agree with you on that. Okay, and this so that was distracting. This is a little bit more of a major nitpick mm-hmm. on my part. I was turned off by the exorcist portrayal. And I actually had this in my notes. So when you said that, mm-hmm. I was like mm. the exorcist ish portrayal of one of the crazy women to me felt a little off. And I felt like either make it. And then she kind of turns to where they kind of make it a joke. And I was like, either make it less jokey or make her character lighter overall. But that confused the tone of it. Cause she at one point is stabbing herself with a, a needle or a knife yeah, or something like right. all over the front. of it. She's like mm. naked and like stabbing herself. And then like they use her to what I felt like comic relief later, like picking her nose and stuff mm. like that. And I was just like, that to me just feels a, little, odd tone. a yeah. little off. I
1: liked the scenes, especially the scene where they went to go pick her up and it was just, she was off the rails and I liked it because it was just intense and it was like different than the other two girls and all that.
2: I, I think, agree. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. the pickup scene, yeah, that was fun, but where they tried to make her like upsetting, like mm. the needle stabbing yeah, stuff, yeah. and it was like, okay.
1: Well, a couple of know. those cutbacks in general, the flashbacks that would happen at random times, and it was a little hard to figure out, is this a flashback or not? Sure. I thought were a little interesting, but I, I think it added to the uniqueness of the film for me. I, I, yeah. You mentioned the James Spader scene. I really do like just the visual of the house.
2: Oh, man. I, with
1: that the yeah. development property that they've got, they they show up at and they I, try to get a, a a night to stay there. That was such a great scene, even with it being a celebrity cameo in there. It was just 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 a really cool scene. I
2: felt like that was a very showy scene, but I loved it because it reminded me of a scene from uh, Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven, oh, where yeah. there there's a homestead fire yeah. sequence, and that se- sequence in the film reminded me very much of that. It also called to mind Roger Deakins in Skyfall, how he shoots yes. that. Well, because scene there.
1: with the house on fire Yes, and he's riding away from it. Yes. And it's got the same black silhouette behind it. Although uh, I don't know if Skyfall had somebody jumping out of the top window <laughs> on fire. Again, you guys are hearing us describe this movie. If you haven't heard of it, you may think as you look at the movie poster, you think it's just a typical Hallmark movie no. no, no. This is a very interesting film. Yeah, so, yeah.
2: absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I want to go on record long running time to over two hours, but it was fine and justified for me. It awesome. flew by. And I know I'm, that's a usual complaint for me. I'm like, uh, you know, it should have been 90 minutes long. I'm really running happy, time. Chris. I, uh, I saw this film and I immediately
1: thought Chris was way off on this. <laughs> yep. I actually think he might like this film and I didn't want to tip my hat, whether or how much I liked it or not. I just said, I want to give you a heads up that I think you're going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually happy to hear. Cause I did really like it. I had, I may actually like it a little more than ex machina. Hmm. Um, I don't know why though. I think it's more of, I just think it was an interesting story. This yeah. whole concept of porting these women who started to lose their mind back across the country to get them assistance. And what happens to some of the people who take them? Mm-hmm. I thought it was a much more interesting story for me and it was not predictable at all. No, no. I really had no idea no. where it was going to be in the second half of the film. No. So, uh, I liked it a lot. I really did. And uh, it's definitely one of the biggest surprises for me this year so far. Interesting, pleasant surprises I've seen film wise.
2: Yeah, it, it yeah. I I'm gonna so we're gonna dabble in spoiler territory for this as well. Okay. We've guys, got well, we've got another review, so we can say if you don't want to hear the spoilers right. we're about to well, say. Well, I
1: tell you what, after this spoiler bit, we're going to take a break ah. and then come back and do our third review and hit our news and, and, and recommendations. Gotcha. So we're back on with some spoiler time, guys. Again, if you have no desire to see The Homesman, just go ahead and listen <laughs> through, you're fine. If you think this sounds like a film you wanna see, I do encourage you skip. Uh, a couple minutes ahead and get to where you hear us either doing a break or talking about the next uh, film, what we do in the shadows. Okay. Fair so enough. So Spoilers on Chris. So you had no clue about Mary B. Cuddy's suicide.
2: No, I but will... you, but
1: you thought it was a logical thing.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Like, and the reason why, and that, and I, that I can do a defense mm-hmm. of all women needed help. Yeah. She did not need help. Okay. Cuddy was strong she could make it her own, but she didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a, and that's a fault of the times back then yeah. that you could not be a single woman. If you were, you were a freakazoid. Yeah. There was something wrong with you, I but she was, she was a strong person. She was content, you know, but she did just want to have somebody to share life for. And there were pressures that, you know, the preacher would keep saying like, Hey, why don't you want to be with, but it wasn't a fault of hers. And I think through the existence Uh, Through this trip, it was very hard on her, and she found somebody in Tommy Lee Jones that they did get along. He was kind of a, you know, no-nonsense type of guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And she thought, unlike another marriage proposal that she tries to pull off, mm-hmm. she thought this guy would probably be like, "Yeah, I don't care." And she didn't really want anything other than just—I don't think it was sexual. She just wanted companionship. Yeah, yeah that's all. That it, is all. It was she, like wanted. she was
1: looking like a business partnership. It's like, right. We have resources that we could pull right. together. We would be a good team. Right. You know? yeah.
2: I just want a companion. You know, and that was that. And being spurned by him. The guy that did she it.
1: probably thought was almost like the least resistant guy. She because I meet.
2: think she saw good in him when not a lot of other people did. And there was good there. But he is not a perfect character. And that's what the end of the movie doesn't let him get away from. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. No, because no, if great. a typical Hollywood movie would have had him become
1: good, and then that's it. He rides off in the sunset feeling like a better person. Right. No, this film ends, him, ends with him getting drunk. Yep. Firing off pistols at people. Yep. Um, dancing his little heart away, just whatever he wants to do. Not even remembering the the, the tombstone that he had carved. And for somebody me, me else cutting. kicks it in the water. Somebody right? else kicks it off, but he doesn't care. He's not even. Notice. He's not even paying attention even paying at that attention point. To it. He had a moment where he felt a lot of remorse for her. He felt compassion for her after she died. He kind of wanted to make it up to her. He wanted to finish this quest of getting these women. And I think that's
2: what shows you that he did respect her. And ultimately he did because he did finish. And he he totally could have been
1: Extremely every time her name was brought up by Meryl Streep or by Haley Stan, it was like, Yes, she was a really great woman.
2: But at the end of the day So much so he's passed it and she's forgot about it now. So well, there's nothing he can do about it now. So much so at the end of the day, he then tries to get Haley Steinfeld out of her situation because yeah. he sees that she's going to basically could end up going out and being carted back because she's gone crazy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, don't do that. You need to, he's like, tell you what, why don't you go ahead and marry me? And then, you know, yeah. I'll kick the bucket and then you'll have all this money and you'll be fine. And she's like, uh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it was just a lot of guilt. And I can see people saying that coming down on this movie because of the women, but I think she was such a strong woman that I don't. I don't know. I, I'll tell you the
1: part that kind of really threw the crowd for a loop. The, okay. the two nights we showed it, the surprise, the, the suicide caught everybody by surprise.
2: I, well, I was surprise, I was surprised, too. but the fact that what happens right before that yeah. is she, you know, she tries to get you know just desperate, desperate, desperate. And when she then makes she,
1: the comment say, "Can't anybody ever say anything nice to me?" Right. You know, which I think is very. Telling and she about bring
2: she brings up comments to him too that he said to her when they first met. Yeah. He called you know, he calls her a bunch of names and all this kind of stuff. And she throws that back in his face at the fire. Yeah. And then she said, Can anybody say nice to me? And she storms off. Then what happens after she comes back? I'm like creepy. Yeah. And not going anywhere good. Yep. And sure enough, she commits suicide. Um I think the thing that baffled everybody the conversation and it did affect
1: me a little bit is the fact that she killed herself Mere days before finishing the mission of getting these girls to safety.
2: True. But she was also headed to where her sister was.
1: That's a, that's true. That's true. I do agree with that. To where that her is sister where, is married yeah. and
2: I believe has a family.
1: Right which we don't see them or anything nope, like that, nope, but we just nope. hear about them through stories. But I think it's I think just it's more like, just a disappointment that she was such a strong character and I'm disappointed in her, not in the movie. The movie was being as realistic as possible with this. It's not a fault of the story. It's just, I think, you know, me, and the people in the crowd and a little bit of me has said, okay, well, see, that's, you interesting. know, you're so close. And yet she took her life now. Suicide. Yeah. You know. And
2: that's, yeah. And suicide is obviously, you know, very, very serious and a very sad thing. When somebody, takes their own life watching i guess the hard life that she was living out west and how it affected the three women that went crazy and that were being brought back i really felt a lot of sympathy. and i don't i don't say it was you know i I don't give her a pass for doing it but i could see that like yeah i could see how you got to that point and it was it was sad but i think she was just so miserable and yeah yeah it just sad yeah. But I, but I, I do admire very it interesting film. film though. Yeah, very definitely. interesting.
1: I did like it. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it as well because I was kind of curious if you'd get I, any value out of it.
2: And I feel like yeah, just since we're in spoiler territory, I was worried that I was going to start liking a lot less when he does succeed in the mission and talks to Meryl Streep and everything's wrapped up and he's delivered the girls yeah. and they're all going to be okay. And yeah, it but, was
1: setting itself up for a very traditional ending. And then I think when he went. And got his clothes, and had the talk with Haley Stansfield. Yeah, went to the poker game, got the tombstone made, then got on the raft. At that point, I'm like, okay, I really like the way this is ending now. This is ending on a much more realistic path.
2: And ju- yeah, just so odd that last but, shot of the raft, just kind of yeah. drifting off, and him like dancing and hollering and everything. You're like, that's weird. Yep,
1: <laughs> weird, but, is a good, but word. good because good it, word. Just, good yeah, word. it just
2: yeah, uh, just yeah, I liked it.
1: Okay, so that's The Homesman. Uh, Spoilers are off. We're (laughs) back. So that's The Homesman. It is available on iTunes and Amazon and actually on Netflix. So you can see it anywhere, even though it just came out just a few months ago. Um, So we recommend you check it out. It is a good movie, very surprising movie. Don't let the movie poster or trailer throw you too far off on this one. So, All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish up with a review of what we do in the shadows, as well as a few news items in our recommendation for the episode. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: When you need a dose of entertainment chatter or just a good laugh, be sure to check out Chick Chat on The Mesh. It's girls talking about stuff, well, girls want to talk about. Celebrities, gossip, fads, boys. It's kind of the guilty pleasure of The Mesh Network. Here's a little taste of what you can expect. But you know what I always thought was really exciting is at the beginning of a new season, when the montage would change yes. and the people were like older or they had something new. Like when the... you got new Becky on Roseanne. Yes. <laughs> That's a <laughs> example. perfect example. You need to know you can't just start shows and then new people are on there and you're thinking, what, what I needed about, the montage. What about on 90210? Okay. That 90210, it changed every season. You it know? Did. And then they had the beach summer one where like were the they worked op- at the country club. Yes. yes. You know, when the, the opening credits had them like wearing bikinis and stuff mm-hmm. and then another one would be like when they're just in that white room and on chairs that swivel around right oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so it's all it's even all. Baywatch when they change lifeguards <gasps> absolutely they had new people running down the beach in red bikinis but you knew they're a new lifeguard <laughs> i need to get invested in that so come have a listen to chick chat on the TV. you know you want to
1: Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the TV. This is Alan along with Chris. We just finished reviewing two films that both of them, highly recommended by the two of us, Ex Machina, which is still playing in movie theaters as of the time of this recording, and The Homesman, which is online, available in just about every digital format you can imagine. I tell you, both of them we're saying are worth checking out and some interesting choices there for films. We're going to go into our third review in just a moment. Before we do, I'd be remiss if I didn't, keep mentioning and reminding everybody out there about something we're very excited about coming up this September. Foot Candle Films, the podcast you're listening to, the film society that we've had in place for several years now, is holding its very first ever film festival in Hickory, North Carolina, September 25th through the 27th of 2015. It's going to be held at the Salt Block Auditorium, which is right next door to the Art Museum, right next door to the Science Center. It's going to be a great weekend. Chris, we have had huge number of submissions more yes. submissions than we expected
2: from different countries From different stuff.
1: countries, cool. different formats but documentary narrative feature length short films everything in between we've got a screening committee as we speak yes watching these movies for the next few weeks we hope to be making our announcements at the uh, probably very first of July or so about the films that we're going to be showing
2: I'm not sure they're working hard enough so I want you to take this opportunity to if you know a filmmaker to get them to submit because i think we want to we do work have a little bit of a quick push
1: here yeah. uh we had said june 1st i think we may say june 10th we'll still allow it i may we may push it back another 10 days just to give anybody listening to this podcast if it's right now june 1st just you need an extra little push go ahead and get out there we it's ten dollar submission fee it's very affordable any length of film doesn't matter if it's a short film or a two-hour long feature film doesn't matter if it's documentary or narrative. We are going to have awards, it looks like, for maybe best feature length and best short film, and plus maybe an audience uh, favorite award altogether. So a lot of opportunities. But more than anything, it's a 400-seat auditorium, and we're intending to try to get it as full as possible for every screening we do. So if you're a filmmaker or you know somebody, you've got a film that's been made in the last couple of years, let's submit it, let's get it in for consideration. And we'd love to maybe have you uh, join us in September if your film is being shown. Otherwise, if you just want to come see some films and you want to make the trek to Hickory, if you're not here already, September 25th through the 27th, tickets will be going on sale I'd say, late July, mid-July, somewhere in that time frame. We'll definitely mention it on the show yeah, whenever we we'll have keep tickets for sale. Uh, the festival itself. Footcandle.org, you can go to or go directly to the Film Festival site, which is footcandlefilmfestival.com. All right, Chris, let's jump right into our third and final review. Okay. A uh, very different film than both of the first two we reviewed. This is the fake documentary about vampires. Wait, it's not real? Sorry to break that to you. <sighs> uh, what We Do in the Shadows.
3: When you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. Viago was an 18th century dandy. Look, a ghost cop. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. deacons like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay
0: rent, but I don't.
1: Chris, the genre of fake documentary, meaning it's meant to look like a documentary, it's meant to give you the impression that this is real Mm -hmm. and that cameras are following people around and interviewing them, but yet, obviously, it's not real, is absolutely one of my favorite genres. Okay. This is Spinal Tap. It still stands as one of my absolute favorite comedy films. Okay. I think it's so much fun to watch people try to pull off the, hey, we're in a documentary and we're real people. And, oh, hey, I didn't see a camera there. And here, come follow me and see what I'm doing. You can have so much fun with that format and that genre. So what we do in the shadows came out. It follows three vampires, Viago, Deacon, and Vladislav. <laughs> they uh, live in a flat together in modern day time. They're of different ages, of course, because they come from different eras. Right. So I think one may be like, what, eight or 900 years old. Right. You know, another one's only 600 years old. Another <laughs> one's the young one, and he's only a couple hundred years old. Right. But we do have Jamon Clement or Jermaine Clement, Jermaine Clement. who uh, probably well-known from Flight of the Concords. That was a show I really enjoyed watching when it was on HBO. I think he's a very funny guy. He's had a lot of smaller parts and a lot of recent funny movies as well. Uh, Takei Watiti uh, plays Vago. I'm not familiar with him, but he's actually the co-director of the film and co-writer. So he and Jermaine Clement kind of wrote and directed this film together. With that being said, Chris, I think you're a fan of Jermaine Clement. I think you I enjoy his comedic style. I think you've had a good time with his work in the past uh the format the concept seems like it would be a winner for you so let me hear was i right in guessing that huh. or did something not surprise you as much as it should have on this
2: the yeah this movie at the brief running time of 87 minutes yeah, it's a short. comedy that knows its limits and it kept a brief run time you know i think this would have been ruined if they would have tried to make it you know two hours or whatever they kind of so. knew like we don't want to take this joke too far. And mm-hmm. I think they did a, an awesome job with that. Um, I was unfamiliar with Taika Waititi, however mm-hmm. you say his name, uh, as the co-writer and co-director of this. And I really enjoyed see, see, being introduced to him. I yes. thought he was one of the strengths of the film was his um, vampire character. Which, which character name was he?
1: Uh, I don't recall his name, but okay. I mean, he's, he's kind of our guide. He yes. is He's Vigo. Vigo. Okay. Um, he's kind of our guide through it. He's the first person we talk to or hear from, and he kind of gives us the lay of the land. He walks us through the world and what's happening there. So.
2: And I, I noticed – through the glory of IMDb that he also is responsible for Eagle versus shark, which was an indie ah. movie that came out some years ago and also stars Jemaine Clement. But I think this time he's just in it. He doesn't yeah. write or direct it. So I'm kind of interested to go back and check that, movie, check that out. movie out. Yeah. Um, I appreciate this movie too, because it's intelligent comedy that doesn't rely on repetition or mm. crude humor. I can appreciate some crude humor, South park, etc., but not, um, things like Ted or Ted two mm. or once upon a time in the West, you know, it's comedy, but it just like, that was the, that was the Sean McFarlane pile on part. Yes. Of the show, by that the way. was the in McFarlane like pile on. Yeah. It's programming to the lowest common denominator. Right, And I just don't, I don't, I don't go with that. I will say though, I liked this film, mm. but I wanted to love it. Yeah. And I couldn't. Um, and I'll say, with you there. I think I'll say two of the main things with it. Why I didn't, you know, I laughed But I I laughed enough, but I wanted to laugh more. Jemaine Clement, love him. I'm wondering, with this instance, he's so capable. There was another movie I think I mentioned that I saw at uh, River Run, that people, places, and things that he was in. Awesome in that, but he's also the main character. In this, he's there but he's not given a lot to do and not given a lot of good lines, I felt like. There's a there's a dinner ta- or there's a dinner scene not a dinner scene, but there's a chore scene where they're talking about doing chores in the yeah. flat. And that that's one of the better good. scenes and he does have a lot of stuff there to do, or he is saying a lot and kind of reacting. But I I wondered if he was maybe too busy directing and mm. therefore he wasn't because one of my I wanted more Jermaine Clement and less of Vampire Deacon, Deacon, which was Jonathan Brew, Brew is I think how you say his name. He's the more, he's technically the more modern
1: vampire and he's also more of a brute and more crude and just, And I
2: just, I found him for comedy, which is what this was. I mean, they're they're trying to make us laugh. I found him uninteresting Hmm. and irritating and I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think it was just how the role was written and I just found him the least interesting. You know, the two guys who wrote and directed the movie we got enough of Waititi as, mm-hmm. you know, Vlog or whatever. Got enough of him and he was great, but we didn't get enough. I didn't feel like we got enough of Jemaine Clement. I felt like it was, you know, for a tripod, a it was balanced. overbalanced on two wheels Could and be. not on the thing. So that was one of my main complaints. I felt like uh, there's a werewolf subplot, mm-hmm. which is funny. Um, but one of the guys in that, Reese Darby, plays werewolf Anton mm-hmm. and he was also in Fly of the Concourse. Yes, he was. I felt like, in a way, that was this movie's version of a cameo that I wish could have been more than just a cameo. No, I didn't feel that only
1: because these guys all work together a lot and a lot of their stuff before. He's been in a lot of their work, other pieces. So uh, I didn't mind that at all. Actually, Here's the thing that killed me for this film. I okay. think I would have loved it if I had not seen the trailer. Oh. Because really the funniest moments in the movie were in the trailer. Okay. Now there were a lot of other funny moments in the film. I laughed quite a bit throughout it. I'm actually watching it on a plane and I'm chuckling. <laughs> and people beside me are wondering what I'm watching. That would be an interesting movie to yeah, watch it on was. a plane. But the funniest moments were in the trailer. So it's okay. like when they happened in the film, it's like, yeah, okay, I saw that already. If I had not seen the trailer, if somebody had just popped this movie in and never showed me the trailer, I would have laughed a lot more than I did. And I might have come close to saying I loved it. As it is, I'm kind of with you. I okay. liked it a lot. It was very funny, very well done, very creative Yeah. concept. But it just – something kept me from having that top-level love for it. And I just wish – Maybe if I'd seen the the jokes from the trailer for the first time in the film, I would have appreciated a lot more. There were some really great standout scenes. And I I know you mentioned... Jermaine Clement didn't really have as much to do, but I do think the moments he's in the film are brilliant. Well, yeah, and I the, the, unfortunately, the chore, I expect that of him. You wanted more. <laughs> and the I chore discussion more. early on was so good. Yeah, I love this concept that they're vampires and they can't see what they look like, yeah. so they rely on each oh, other. Oh, yeah, the fashion they rely show. On each other. Yeah. Well, they rely on each other drawing pictures yeah. of what they look like, and these pictures are just like sloppy kids drawings. <laughs> just like, here's what you look like. Um, right. <laughs> I thought that was, that was hilarious. Yeah. And I loved the fact that... They're building up to this idea of uh, Jermaine Clement's character having a a nemesis with the Beast. The Beast. And then we learn later on who we get to see the Beast. And it's just a good payoff. That is a good payoff. It's like, okay, that was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yep, that's a good So there were so many good moments. The werewolf scenes I thought were funny just to have a little bit of a rivalry between the two. You knew what? Um, It was a good movie. It was a very funny movie.
2: I'm going to say this. Yeah. Um, which I know because you and I both saw this movie at home because it's on iTunes. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in it, you can go check it out there. You know, what might've made this movie better What's that? watching it in the theater with a big crowd. No, it's definitely that, a big crowd. If that movie. could have happened it's because I think sitting here, it's kind of like the Chris Farley syndrome right now, sitting here talking with you about, Oh, you know that moment when, you know, kind of doing that skit that he did on Saturday night, yeah. night live. But doing that, I realized that I liked it more maybe than I realized at the time. Yeah. And that's because I'm, in a community atmosphere talking about it where if you just walk and see it at home it's like oh yeah. if i'd seen a theater people laughing would have heightened the hilarity oh, i agree so, it's
1: definitely one of those where some comedies that are just a constant barrage of funny moments and lines work so much better in a crowded theater mm-hmm. than they do watching a home on tv so no i agree maybe we would have loved it if we saw it at a movie theater packed with people really enjoying it as it is, I thought this was a very funny movie. I love the novelty of it. Mm-hmm. Take the fake documentary, but apply it to something as interesting as vampires. Taking the fact that you know vampires have these myths about them and their longevity and things are not supposed to be around or not supposed to uh, be in contact with. And how they have to work around those things in a very realistic situation is really, really funny.
2: And I think in the ha- in less capable hands... It would have been like a one-act movie, or like it should have. People would have come out of, or we would sit here saying, "It's a funny idea for like a Saturday Night Live skit, but not an entire movie." Mm -hmm. However, these guys handled it, and it was a funny idea for an entire movie.
1: Feature-length movie. But
2: thinking about it, though, I think they're good writers, and they're good actors, and they're funny. But maybe let somebody else direct.
1: Could have been. Yeah, could have been. I, I will say one other part, part that I know we didn't really talk about, but there is a fourth vampire that lives in the flat. Oh, man. Peter. Um, yes. <laughs> which is just, how loved, funny is that? I love Peter. Peter. He looks like the uh, the Nosferatu vampire of, of old, but his name's Peter. The only And other, like when you see yeah. photographs of them as a group hanging out, and it's just, there's Peter in the middle of it. <laughs> it's just so funny the way it's
2: You're, you're right. See, there again, you mentioned it, I, the yeah. whole Peter aspect <laughs> was awesome. My only regret... My only thing that I would have added maybe to kind of push it over the edge a little bit to kind of amp it up just a little bit more was if that character, even though the actor did an awesome job and was awesome, if it actually would have been played by Marilyn Manson. That's the only mm. thing for me that no, it actually been, because that a
1: pretty funny one, it?
2: commenting on certain yeah. things would have been funny.
1: But yeah overall oh, wow. very good movie it's the kind of movie i want to watch again with okay. more people around and just enjoy and laugh it's kind of like the first anchorman movie for me where hmm. i saw it and i thought it was funny but it wasn't funny as much until i got around to other people and you quote the lines and remember the scenes
2: yeah second villain could do the same idea film. with this uh, film yeah. so
1: definitely fun movie to check out i'll admit i was a little disappointed as i walked away from it because i kind of built this one up pretty high in my mind i, I think i did too. i think the trailer kind of helped dampen some of that for me after seeing the best parts in the trailer sure so if you're gonna watch this movie don't watch the trailer first just (laughs) jump right into the movie and enjoy it okay so that is what we do in the shadows ah three big reviews let's move on chris without any further ado we do okay. have a few news items to share yes we'll talk about some movie related news things we find interesting we want to kind of bring up to the other person and see what their reactions and responses are chris uh i believe you're going to take it away with the first one today
2: right so alan we may have mentioned this in the past but are you aware that there is going to be a blade runner sequel i am yes okay yep well, I just recently discovered that that was going to happen. Not only that, but um, Dennis Villeneuve, I can't mm-hmm. remember how you say his name, but the guy who did Prisoners, Prisoners. and Enemy yep. is going to be the director. How do you feel about that? Uh, good. Okay, I actually
1: feel very good about it. I really liked Prisoners more than I ever thought I would. I thought Enemy was very, very interesting, would and you? I admire the choices for it. Right. We reviewed both films on this show, I believe. Um, I believe so. So, yeah. no, I'm on board with it. I think he's... He's an interesting enough director. I don't think he's just going to turn this into a paycheck job. If you're
2: I think gonna, he's going to turn it if into If there's going to be a Blade Runner sequel, it'll be interesting to see him do it. Now, also just heard this. Don't know if you know this part or not. How, were you aware that he was going to direct it? Yes, I he was. Had heard
1: mm-hmm.
2: Did you know mm-hmm. that uh, Roger Deakins is going to be the cinematographer? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Okay. So to that's me, awesome. yeah. Um, now, so that, that's all the news I had on that. But do you know any other cast that's involved or no?
1: I, okay. I do know that uh, is Harrison. Ford Harrison Ford is to, really? to be a part in it. Okay, um, huh. and it is supposed to be taking place the the appropriate number of years after the original one. So okay. it would show it would reflect Harrison Ford's age.
2: Okay, I think I'm I'm on board for this. Now, I think Ridley Scott's okay. like producing, okay. or executive producing, or he made because you kind of right. worry sometimes why and he's didn't not directing. He? It. Okay, yeah,
1: okay. Um, But Ridley Ridley Scott is involved to okay. some capacity. Harrison Ford is involved to some capacity. Uh, Devenu, De, Devenu is Denise. Is, is <laughs> That's a very interesting choice for director, and yeah. I love that deacons is doing this, the cinematography.
2: Perfect. I'm all over. I'll I'll be there on it. I'm ready day. to go. Yeah. I actually, it's
1: actually kind of motivated me to want to pull back out my blue my uh, Blade Runner disc or get a new digital copy of it just to watch it because it's okay. been it's been a few years since I saw it. Yeah, last. it's been a while. I've so, seen it too. Yeah. Okay, Chris, how do you feel about? Kickstarter fundraising type of thing. Have you ever, have you ever donated anything to a Kickstarter campaign?
2: No. And I, well, that's not true. Technically it's not, there's a Kickstarter spinoff. That's called like pledge music where Mm. you can give money to an artist and they end up making an album and you get a free copy of the album. I kickstarting movies and I've seen it done documentaries and stuff. I don't have a problem with it. Mm. Actually, if anything, I feel kind of guilty that I never have done it. Okay. I never have given because I'm like, man, if I'd have known – a lot of times it's I don't know that they're doing a Kickstarter. And then I see at the end Kickstarter. I'm like, oh, dude, I totally would have. you know. <laughs> well, so, uh, but let, me, all right, let me put a little twist on this then. Okay. If there were two people,
1: Peter Bogdanovich and Frank Marshall, who are both big Hollywood you know, directors, producers, they, they're kind of well-known in Hollywood. Yeah. They're putting together a Kickstarter project. You may ask yourself the question, well, don't they have enough money to do some of these things on their own? But they are putting together a Kickstarter project. All right. Maybe a little just when I hear that. However, here's the project. Orson Welles, in the 70s, worked for many, many years directing a film called The Other Side of the Wind. Never got finished. Okay. Never got put together. Never got distributed. But those people who have been involved in the production said it was a genius film. Just never got finished. Okay. Orson Welles went through his own financial hardships, his own personal hardships in the 70s, passed away in the 80s, I believe, at some point. So anyway, after years of these guys tracking down the film's negative, getting negotiating rights, and fighting to be able to restore this film, four producers, Bogdanovich and Frank Marshall being two of them, have now gone to... Are the to, other two
2: big names or no? No,
1: not names okay. I recognize. Uh, they have now gone to crowdfunding okay. to help finish the movie. The idea is that they want to restore this film. They want to get it out there. So now it stars John Huston. By the way, so it had, had kind of a big name. Okay, so they're not going to have to shoot any new stuff. I don't believe so. I think it was all about getting rights, and now finishing either editing or distributed, having ready for distribution.
2: Okay, and you said me, but I was still kind of trying to wrap my head around the concept. Yeah. Orson Welles didn't finish. Why? Um, I think he. Finished it, and there's I, this is I'm not quite exactly clear. I did see the documentary about
1: Orson Welles just a few weeks at okay. River Run, and it did talk about this film. It did talk about how many of the actors that were involved in it really loved what he was doing with this film. But unfortunately, so it's not he was that he not couldn't finished.
2: finish it. As far as shooting, it was just something about I think editing. shooting was
1: done. I either think it either wasn't finished editing or just not ready for distribution to the mass audience, and that's what we we're trying to do. Huh. So they had to restore the negatives. They had to find all the negatives. They had to kind of put it back together. And now they're working on, you know, kind of fighting to get rights to make sure they can release it. So that's where they're trying to get crowdfunding for. I'm intrigued, just because I'm in Wells. It's a lost film, which I think are always fascinating to hear about these films that get shot, but just don't make it to that final line of getting out there. Uh, I'm a little curious about making it a crowdfunding thing, when I think these are all high level producers that should have enough money to do it themselves. But whatever. I, but you know what, if it, they are giving a reward to everybody who pledges money, you get posters, you get cigars, you know, Cool. you get an actual, actual 35 millimeter print of the finished film for here's, some of the high donors.
2: Here's my thing too. And I've mm-hmm. heard people criticize, I think Spike Lee crowdfunded the film.
1: And, uh, and also the guy that did, um, Garden State. What's his name? Zach, uh, Zach Braff. Zach Braffton. He got a lot of heat.
2: He did, and no that, was that was the was one, one, um, wish I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was here. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Um, I saw that, not a good movie, Um, which is a shame.
1: I think everybody was just upset the fact that here's a guy that's been a TV star for years, made a movie that did pretty good, right? but yet he's going to the crowd to get his next film funded when he could have done it
2: himself. Well, okay, and here's, I'm going to support Mr. Brath and support Bogdanovich and Marshall. Here's the thing. If you don't want to fund it, don't. (laughs) (laughs) True. And I think if you do fund it, you know what you're getting into. And I was going to ask, you do get like little trinkets. You like you get a poster, you get this. Like if you give a hundred gazillion dollars, maybe you actually get to meet them or something yeah. like that. Like it could happen. So my thing is nothing lost, nothing gain. You know, if you care. I. Would I would be interested? I'll have to look this project up and uh, see. It. Is it still open? Do you know if it's still open? Uh, uh, crowd, is it still available to kickstart? Right
1: now, I have not actually gone. It's an IndieGoGo project, not a Kickstarter, oh, but it's the same idea. Sure, sure. Crowdful source. I, I see what you're saying with the crowdfunding, and I get it. If somebody wants to be a part of a project, and you can give twenty bucks, if that's something you can do. You feel like you helped make a film project happen. That's good. And And I I think the
2: criticism comes in, like you're saying, is people that have money that are established names, they could be taking away funding from people who don't. True. Like if I I had a script and I wanted to direct the movie and I had all the stuff and I was trying to use Indiegogo or Kickstarter, a project like that could take away people that Mm. might would give money to me who needs more money than possibly they do or needs money. So... I could see that, but eh, I, I don't know. Um, I would like to donate to that kicks or Indiegogo campaign just because I want to see an Orson Welles film that I care about mm-hmm. or that I think is actually good. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I know he's giving me the hairy eyeball. Hold on. I'm, just, I'm trying to <laughs> regroup myself a little bit. I know. Okay, um, what no, are, are you
1: throwing at me now? Here, I
2: have man? only seen Citizen Kane, but I'm that movie to me. Not that I think it's a bad movie. It's not <laughs> a bad movie. But I just – I don't get all the fanfare, all the people jumping up and down about it. I just – you know, it's Dead not – to me. It's not, <laughs> it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just I don't get it. Um, the only other thing I've seen of his is um, F is for Fake.
1: Yeah, which okay is a different type of movie. It is. It is. Yeah. But
2: I wasn't really – I was hoping like, oh, okay, I'm going to be taken away with it. And I wasn't. So, um, Touch of Evil. You ever saw Touch of Evil? I have not seen Touch of Evil. Magnificent Ambersons. I haven't seen that either. see, I haven't felt a driving reason to, but there again, I'm searching for a movie to prove me wrong. Maybe this, which was supposed to be so awesome. Everybody in it wanted him to finish it. He never got around. Maybe this is it. So maybe as a sacrifice to film history and my love of film, I'll say, you know what? I don't see what this guy's got, but I'm going to, put some money into this so that way I can finally see a film that maybe it'll win me over and I'll have a stake in. That's good to hear
1: Chris. (laughs) So,
2: um,
1: I will be holding auditions for new co host on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, I have a few requirements about films. You must be able to say that you enjoy and like, and appreciate. Um, everybody's got their (laughs) opinion. That's fine. You're the first person that's been down on citizen. you know, I think
2: I'm one of the few,
1: Uh, Just reading a little bit more about this project, just to kind of give you a a little more update, because I'm I'm reading as we're speaking here. Um, Supposedly, he spent years working in Europe on it. Okay. Uh, He returned to Hollywood intent on making a film about filmmaking and managed to hit an obstacle at every turn. Although he finished shooting it, he did not finish editing, and the film was never released. So... Uh, so was it John was Houston. it a late
2: career movie too? Yes. So it, basically, he died before he can finish. It. Yes. Oh,
1: okay, okay. Well, but I think it's just I think he ran into a lot of roadblocks to keep him from finishing it, and so he just moved to a, a different
2: project. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, still years unfinished, has uh, become to be regarded as the most celebrated film never to be released. And what what's the name of it again? The Other Side of the Wind.
2: Other side of actually, the Wind. actually,
1: Dennis Hopper is in it. Ooh. John is the star. Uh, Pierre Bogdanovich was in it as well. Okay. Uh, there is a uh, Vimeo video on the Indiegogo page from Mr. Wes
2: Anderson Ooh. talking about why you should help support this film. So. Okay, if, if Wes Anderson says it, I like his stuff. So, okay.
1: So, anyway, <laughs> that's interesting. If you search on Indiegogo, look for Orson Welles' last film, The Other Side of the Wind. Uh, so far it has raised $218,000 towards its goal of $2 million. And million. It's got a month left. Oh, so, okay. So time frame is open. Uh, it's been going for 15 days. Oh. and it's got another month to go, and it's at 218,000. They're shooting for two million to get it
2: done. So anyway, hmm. interesting. Okay. All right, what's uh, what's the last story you've got for us? So right now in theaters, we're recording this, and it's being released today. Uh, Brad Bird's has Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. It's coming out. That's not my news story, but that's that's what he's his current project. Um, he is working and you probably know this on a sequel to the Incredibles. Yes. Okay.
1: Very excited. And
2: you're excited. Well, are you excited about that or more excited about that? Or the fact that he has stated after he's done with the Incredibles, because yes, that is his next one. He wants to return to doing a hand-drawn animated film. No, that's cool too.
1: That's cool. Uh, you know, keep in mind for everybody who doesn't know, he, he did the iron giant uh, many years ago and a classic, I mean, just awesome film. That and The Incredibles are honestly two of my favorite all-time animated films. And they just so happen to be written and
2: directed by the same guy. Sure. Um, So to tell me he's going back to hand-drawn animation, awesome. Sounds great. And the quote that I saw from him, it came out in an interview. He said, you know, I enjoy CGI. I enjoy being able to move the camera. And he's like, yeah, that's all cool. But there's something about Mm -hmm. doing hand-drawn animation that kind of scratches an itch that you can't do. Yeah.
1: Unless you actually do it in that that way.
2: And I'm like, man, that is amazing. I hope somebody that, you know, there are people still do 2d animation. You know, Mm. I think song of the sea. I think that, I think that was, mm. so, you know, people still do it, but they don't get the push Mm. that all these other blockbuster films do. And hopefully Brad bird would get that kind of push because he's a big name. So I I heard that. And that was pretty exciting. No, I think
1: that's, I'm excited for whatever Mr. Mr. Bird decides to do now. I will say, after you making a passing comment yesterday about Tomorrowland, I did look up online to see how it was faring. It's kind of rough. Nah, not so hot. So uh, I'm a little trepidatious about it. I'm probably still going to take the kids to go see it this weekend, but I'm not going in expecting gangbuster results. Right. Uh, I'm going to go in with very tepid expectations and see how that comes about.
2: I, I think so. that's probably why.
1: No, I, I really like Brad Bird. I, I didn't think his Mission Impossible movie was the best. Uh, actually, it was a little bit of a letdown for me. After J.J. Abrams, number three, which I gave as a recommendation not too long ago on the show. Right. But it wasn't bad. It was a good action movie. I just don't think that's his thing. I think his is much more fantasy with some emotion and heart in the middle of it. And that's really what worked for The Incredibles. That's what worked for The Iron Giant. So I'm excited. I'm excited about the second Incredibles. It was just screaming for a sequel after saw it. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised
2: it actually took this I'm just glad
1: it wasn't a sequel to The Iron Giant because that is a standalone, single, don't need to touch that movie again. Right. Agreed. Okay, so that's some movie news. Chris, we're at the end of the show where we always like to wrap up with a recommendation of a film that we've either recently caught back up with. We think uh, everybody ought to check out or may have some passing interest in. And in most situations, these are ones you can find online or get easy access to. So... You turn off this podcast in a few minutes, you're looking for a movie tonight, these ought to be some ones you can find, except in my situation. So with that, <laughs> let me go ahead and let you go first. Sure. With maybe a more traditional recommendation.
2: Okay. Um, mine's a film from last year that uh, got nominated for an Oscar, a couple of Oscars, I think. Uh, Fox Catcher by ah, Bennett Miller. So you did
1: catch up with this one,
2: huh? I did, finally. And I'd kind of held off because... You caught up with Fox Catcher. Catcher, yes. I ca- caught Fox, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... I kind of held off on seeing this because it was—it's based on a true story, um, and it's a very dark story about some Olympic wrestlers um, teaming up with a multimillionaire who's named uh, John Dupont, and you know, it kind of—it's very dark. And this is the guy Bennett Miller is the director who gave us um, Capote, mm-hmm. so you know he kind of does some. He also true- did Moneyball, which you loved. Oh yes, Moneyball. Not mm-hmm. a fan of that movie. Um, yeah. But Capote, you know, it's very. Dark And so this movie is also very dark. The performances in this movie were really awesome. Uh Mark Ruffalo, who I like anyway, he plays one of the brothers. Mm-hmm. And Channing Tatum does a really good job too. Okay. And he, you know, not that, you know, I think he's a good actor, but normally he's given roles where he's, you know, gets to show off being handsome or he'll, he'll pl- sometimes play dumb. Yeah. But I guess you could say dumb in a charming way. Mm-hmm. And this is not that he's playing dumb, but he's just playing a very vulnerable person. Right. Okay. And that was kind of a change for me to see him playing that particular type role. And he got nominated for an Oscar for it. And, um, I think the nose makeup job held him back. Uh, Steve Carell plays John DuPont. Right. And I remember when this movie came out, people were commenting about how they were either all on board with like the transformation he went through to become John DuPont or people were ridiculing it, saying, like, the movie was all about the nose. Yeah. And it. I don't know whether it was because of that commentary or not, but it was distracting to me. And I felt mm. sorry for Steve Carell because he was doing such an amazing acting job. Right. But I felt like he couldn't get out from behind the mask. Oh,
1: that's a shame,
2: too. Yeah. But he's, he still did a really good job, and it was a very serious, dramatic performance. So, you know, it's it's a well-made movie, well-shot, well-acted. Um, but it is a downer. Yeah, well. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's worse thing it, yeah. if you're the least bit interested in it. So,
1: Well, that's cool. I mean, I know we were both a little – it got some mixed reviews a lot of times throughout, uh, you know, uh, during this Oscar run and all. And just uh, not – it got highly regarded, but a lot of people also said that it had some real issues. And I think Steve Carell's performance, although good, I got a lot of the same feedback. People saying, well, it was just – the makeup didn't help his case. Uh, he right. probably could have done without that. Right. So it was, it was, it was and I, you know, not you
2: being see. familiar with the actual person, John yeah. DuPont, I don't know if it's, uh, he was such a f- specific physical presence that they felt like there was no way they could make the movie without making mm. Steve Carell look like this. Like, yeah, I, I don't be. know what the reasoning, you know, but yeah. to me it definitely was distracting, but okay. I do recommend the movie. So.
1: All right. Well, what's yours? Mine I'm, is I'm also curious. a, Critical darling, directed by a very uh, astute filmmaker. Okay. uh, Very dark, depressing subject matter. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I am recommending, for some unknown reason, uh, the Room from two thousand three. Now, this is Tommy Wiseau's masterpiece, The Room. And who's he? Tommy Wiseau, I, okay, I'm, I'm doing a little film education for those of you not familiar with this, this, this movie. The Room was released in 2003 and is widely regarded these days as the worst movie ever made. Hmm. Tommy Wiseau is the director, writer, and lead star. That is our number one problem we have at this point. <laughs> um, he is a very enigmatic Nick- character in his real life. Um, not much is known about his background. This, is this
2: based on his real life or we
1: don't no. know? No, okay. it's based on his real life. There's a lot of rumors about where he's from originally and how he got into filmmaking, how he got the money to finance this movie because it's not a home movie. It's not like somebody pulled out a a handy cam and started just shooting random stuff. This has got some level of production quality to it, enough that there was actually money put into this thing.
2: Now, are there any other – are there stars in this movie? No. No, no, no. no. Okay.
1: Um, Tommy Wiseau is – the star, And this is the only movie he's ever done or been in. He made a web television series just a few, couple years ago that didn't go anywhere. Nobody picked it up and looked every bit as horrible as this film. Hmm. Make no mistake. The Room is a horrible film. <laughs> Here's what I'm recommending.
2: But he's recommending it. Okay. I'm
1: recommending it because the guys who did Mystery Science Theater 3000 years ago as a TV show where basically they watch old classic B-movies and they're making little snarky comics all the way through gotcha. that you hear – commenting on the ridiculousness of the film. And it's funny to watch. They have a satellite tour across movie theaters going on right now where they are screening the, the room Okay. while they're doing what's called a riff track on top of it. Okay. And when you buy a ticket, if a movie theater is participating in this this program, you can go see a live satellite broadcast of them ripping on the room gotcha. while you're watching the room. Okay. Now that's what I'm recommending. So it's like a live episode of Mystery Science Theater. Exactly. Okay. That is what I'm recommending. Got you. I'm not recommending The Room as a good movie. <laughs> I'm recommending The Room with the Mystery Science Theater And this is still touring, so you still have still okay. touring. I saw it in, in Concord, North Carolina, just a week and a half ago. Okay. And I know they've got other dates coming up in other cities. I don't know if it's coming anywhere close to where you live when you hear this. But it was a fun experience to see such a horrible movie and have so many of its faults pointed out in a very funny manner throughout there as well. But a little bit more about this movie, The Room, it's just... You will find yourself quoting some of the lines from that film really? afterwards because it is, there are some scenes that are just absolutely classic. Now, if you go YouTube The Room Best Scenes on YouTube, <laughs> you will see a montage of just some of the worst dialogue s- scenes you've ever seen. Huh. Uh, I can't even explain how ridiculous this movie so, is.
2: Okay. He stars. He directed. He also wrote it. Yes, he did. Okay. Okay. Yep. he He's the triple threat. So all blame centers on him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. every bit a blame. This film has
1: actually been so interesting for people that one of the co-stars, Greg Sestro, who played his best friend, Mark, actually wrote a book. Wow. That became a book okay, here. I mean, go down a path with this. Sure. He wrote a book about his experience knowing Tommy Wiseau in making this movie. Okay. Um, that book has now been optioned by James Franco. Wow. James Franco is actually planning to make a movie
2: about the based making. on
1: the book about the making of this film.
2: Wow.
1: Okay, that's how interesting this backstory character is with Tommy Wiseau. So I wow. encourage you to go online and look him up, huh. read all the speculation about him, the rumors. He's, Tommy Wiseau is still alive? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. And his latest endeavor is he's now uh, a, making underwear. Okay. Tommy Wiseau branded underwear, fashionable underwear. Okay. If you go to TommyWiseau.com, <laughs> it is a full site about nothing but buying underwear with Tommy Wiseau's name stamped on the back like he's a fashion statement and he sells underwear
2: can you get a a copy of his movie
1: at this site? I'll do you one better on this website you can buy a copy of the screenplay the script for the room and when you buy it sorry I just pulled up Tommy Wiseau's website and it just started playing music for me Uh, and for $18 not only do you get a copy of the room's script but you get free underwear with your purchase (laughs)
2: Wow. wow. This is, Chris. I'm, so now I have to not only kickstart an Orson Welles movie that I might not care about, but may potentially, but I now can get some underwear.
1: This wow. is the website now. I'm showing Chris the website, which I, I apologize for this being an audio podcast, but I won't, Chris, understand how crazy this is right now. But what I really want you to do, Chris, and this is a very short thing we're going to watch and we're going to listen to Chris's response to this. This is a commercial directed by Tommy Wiseau about his underwear line designed by Tommy
2: Wiseau. Okay. Oh, wow. Is that him?
1: Yes. Wearing a really weird wig for some reason.
2: That's not him, though.
1: No. Okay. He's the one with the glasses and the weird, weird wig. wig. As bad as this commercial is, this is exactly the kind of bad quality oh, the man. room wants to.
2: Okay, so the name of the line, apparently, so it has, like, underwear, but, you know, Tommy Wiseau, or whatever, how you say his name, is TW, so he has it in front of the word underwear, so it's almost like twunderwear. Yep. That's amazing. Okay. You, you
1: have to see this movie, That Chris. is,
2: Yeah, that's, that's kind of mind-boggling. The website's mind-boggling. That commercial is mind-boggling. It looks like something – if you would have shown me that out of context, I would have thought that was something from like the Will Ferrell days of Saturday Night Live, like, like a making a commercial. Dice, yeah, type of thing. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. looks like something off Funny or Die. Yep,
1: it's not. It's totally serious.
2: Now, here's my here's my
1: belief, here's my theory about Mr. Tommy Wiseau. <sighs> this is this a lot will, to take
2: on a Friday. This will Helen. mean a lot
1: more to you if you ever do end up seeing the room.
2: Oh, I'm going to see the room. I don't know how, but I'm going to see. I
1: would not be surprised if, in a matter of a few years, we find out that Tommy Wiseau is actually an Andy Kaufman performance artist who has been pulling this off for that's, years. That's
2: what this seems like because hearing what you're saying and stuff and like nobody knows but like it sounds like it's a performance artist thing.
1: Has to be. I'll just tell you, if he's a performance artist, he is damn committed because he this movie came out in two thousand three. Right. He has kept up this act, he's made public appearances. He's tried to do other web properties, video, TV show stuff.
2: Is he friends with Joaquin Phoenix? I don't know.
1: I don't think so. I don't know of him being friends with anybody in the Hollywood circuit right now. (laughs) But if he is truly a performance artist, he's been going on this for over 13 years, and I give him mad props if he is.
2: Mm. Unfortunately,
1: I don't think he is. And
2: the room is like a big cult film, right? Like people are just obviously if they're doing a riff track on it. Okay,
1: there were 50 people in a Concord theater on a Tuesday night uh, to see a riff track.
2: Now, had you seen this movie before? Yes, I had. Okay. So how did you see was it, it? Was it back in college? or Yeah, I think I saw it back. Okay. No, it wasn't college. It was uh, with no, a bunch of college friends, was 2003, it was like okay. you, early 2000s. How, how did you see it on video or
1: DVD? Yeah, it's on DVD. You can actually okay. buy a for $40. You hmm. get the room on DVD, the room on blu Way, Blue, and some TW undies.
2: I mean, you all, always get the underwear. I think Thank the goodness. underwear,
1: he's trying to just get out there wherever he can. So... I think you buy anything and you're going to get underwear with it. I'm fascinated by this So if I know
2: somebody for Christmas, you know, you give your dad ties, you give him black socks. Maybe as a changeup, I'll be like, you know, why not give dad another necessity? Why not give him twunderwear? And then I'll get to see The Room because I'll get a DVD copy of it or a Blu-ray.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. It's a win-win for everybody.
2: Yeah. All
1: right. So The Room. I'm recommending that if people want to get buddies together, have a few drinks and watch The Room, you can do your own Riff Track. <laughs> or look up online, RiffTrack.com, I okay. think is the website, and they show you a schedule of ones where they're going on a satellite tour and you can do this. Sorry, that recommendation took a lot longer, but I'm sorry. There's but it's amazing. There's too much amazing to, <laughs> to encapsulate in that recommendation. There is a lot of amazing in there. Okay, Chris. We've been going for a while here. Three good reviews of three films that we do recommend people check out to varying degrees of success. It sounds like if I had to rate the three based on our collective reviews, it's kind of in the order that we described them. Yeah. I think Ex Machina, you basically gave it the highest regard you could. I'm saying it's a really good film. The Homesman, we were both very, very pleasantly surprised and happy with and really liked a lot. Right. What we do in the shadows, we both liked, but we didn't love. Sure. So... All three are worth checking out. Two of them are available online. That's what we do in the Shadows and The Homesman. Ex Machina is still in theaters, but give it some time. I'm sure it'll be online before too long. Absolutely. Some movie news we went through, and we recommended both The Room and then we recommended Foxcatcher. Two completely different (laughs) films, and uh, two completely different spectrums of acting. Yes, that way as well. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Chris, how can people get a hold of us or stay in touch with the show? What, what do you recommend? That uh, do?
2: You can jot off an email to info at the and, uh and just let us know if you're addressing it to Foot Candle because there are several shows that uh, TheMesh.TV has. There's our podcast. or several other podcasts you can check out. You can also... Follow us on Letterboxd. Alan and I both have accounts on there where we'll put up quick reviews or just, you know, let you know the movies that we've been watching. And there's also, you know, footcandle.org where you can just learn about the film festival and also just about the film society itself.
1: Yeah, lots of different ways to connect with us. We encourage you to do that. With that, we're going to wrap it up and we'll be back uh, here before too long with the next episode. So until then, thanks a lot for listening. We appreciate it. See you
2: in the ticket line.